to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, you can get more information at goodmorningcomrade.com. Today on the show, uh, we have Brendan O'Connor. Uh, Brendan uh, works with uh, Strike Waves, and also he has a really great article uh, in The Baffler uh, called When the Party's Over. What's going on, Brendan? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining. Uh, how you been doing, buddy? You been doing all right? You, uh, <laughs> we talked to you last time... Uh, was with uh, when you and you came on the old show we used to do with with Connor and, and Diana Union Thoughts. We talked a little bit about uh, some stuff we were working on then. But but how you been ever since then? Yeah, when, when was that? Was that early early pandemic or when yeah, early when pandemic? Yeah, about <laughs> a year ago. About a year ago. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot. You know, things 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 keep happening. Uh, you know, the <laughs> history keeps moving. <laughs> And a lot of uh, what you know, what you covered here uh, was yet to happen. We were we were little uh, we were little innocent eyed babes before a lot of this stuff took place. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we thought, so um, you wrote an article in yes. Appler about um, essentially it kind of comes across as like one part like autopsy of the sort of Bernie Sanders campaign. One part like we're at a critical point what do we do now is sort of a, you know, broad left and an organizational, like an organizationally minded left. And then also one part, like kind of like wild things that are happening on the left, <laughs> things like force the vote and stuff like that, I guess, sort of like, um, what were you trying to go for when you were, when you're trying to write this thing, what's the sort of, uh, angle that you were trying to take and what are you trying to get across for the most part? Sure. Yeah. So as as your question indicates, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty expansive piece, um, yeah. and in some ways, it is an attempt to process the the failure of the Bernie Sanders campaign, um, which is really you know not just about the twenty twenty primary, but about you know the past five or six years, um, and <laughs> and then, yeah, and then also to to incorporate and process in in that everything everything that has followed in in its wake, um, <clears throat> and this piece started as a conversation with my editor at the magazine about force the vote and trying to make sense of. What is this like? What is this thing that like? <laughs> yeah, like what's 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 going on here? And the more that I the more that I thought about it, the more that I talked to people about it, um, the more clear it became to me that in order to understand, like that that this was a kind of uh, kind of symptomatic or a sort of epiphenomenal um, uh, flare in a larger <laughs> uh, chaotic churn that has followed the the end of of the Bernie campaign. And so this essay 
um, is charting, is an attempt to chart like, all right, how does this fit into, you know, the larger social process that's going on, but then also what are some, uh, what are some alternatives that we can think about um, that might stand in the place of something like force yeah. the vote? It, it becomes almost like like when there isn't a sort of broad organization or a broad, I guess you could say, party or just sort of a, uh, a like a almost a, a you know like a magnetic north for where everybody to be going in the same direction. When that doesn't exist, you sort of have some like wild mushroom ideas kind of popping up because there's no there's no sort of like it's it's a it's a chaotic um sort of no orient no orientation like lack of orientation i guess you could say yeah i do i do think that that is true and i think that, that although maybe chaotic is not, yeah, not quite fair. the not it's not quite the right word because i mean i i you know not, not to criticize you for i i oh, of course, also described of course. it that way but i do think that you know, there is, as I tried to argue in the piece, um, these apparently chaotic uh, upswings um, are following a logic and are determined and shaped by the logic where in the absence of mass organization, um, or, you know, as, as I sort of towards the end of the end of the piece start describing is what could be a party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are in this moment where leadership is being claimed by people who are ultimately sort of media figures and kind of a new cohort of leftish or progressive-ish uh, uh, personalities that have built up brands and followings and audiences on on YouTube, in the podcasting sphere, in the streaming sphere, and that's not to say that like that's a bad thing to do necessarily. I, I as a freelance journalist, you know, oh, thank I, God, thank God. <laughs> like you know, I'm I'm a freelance writer. Like I do need to do things like. Mm-hmm. I am also captured by certain, you know, market logics, um, but I also <laughs> wouldn't necessarily uh, claim political leadership <laughs> over, you know, over over a movement. Um, but also, you know, but I think the other thing that I tried to get at in the piece is that, you know, that there are, you know, that this is the value then of being part of an organization, being kind of tied to a movement where not only might there be, you know, not only might there be discipline, but at least you just are kind of existing in the ferment and being and aware of sort of the organizational questions and conversations that are happening on the left and don't come up with cockamamie ideas that sound good, uh, but that have no grounding in the materiality of struggle. Yeah, uh, and and, and so here's a, a like you wrote uh, in the article: in the absence of a campaign move in an organization, even alternative media is subject to the logic incentives of the market in which it operates and performs on which it exists. Now that obviously uh, alternative media is mutating, giving birth to a degraded popular pseudo movements like Force the Vote, uh, which sought to agitate the Bernie Sanders supporting masses around deeply obscure 
procedural tactic that advocates uh, claims that would expose the Democratic Party's hypocrisy. And nobody cares about hypocrisy. Nobody actually cares about hypocrisy. And everybody knows that the Democrats are hypocrites, right? But but the it's sort of like drawing this line in the sand, essentially for the left to fight itself in a lot of ways, because there is no even um, like system or nothing to sort of just cohere everything together. Yeah, right. And and I think that as like as I as I was doing the reporting and the research and the reading that went into this piece, like I said, it, it developed initially out of a conversation about forced to vote and trying to figure out like what the heck is going on here. But ultimately I realized that really what I the like the driving question that I was grappling with is and this is why it really became about, you know, a reflection on the Bernie campaign is when so many people proclaim themselves either to either share in the Bernie Sanders platform or at the very least are you know sympathetic to it to some extent or the other or think that he is you know a trustworthy politician and messenger why did that fail to translate into into votes, <laughs> in, in, into into winning, like what you know, people and the, like to put it very simply, it seems it seems to me that the lesson of the Sanders campaigns is that people want a better world and understand that the world that they live in is not great, <laughs> and <laughs> like that there are other worlds out there, but that they simply don't believe that it is possible. Yeah, that, th that it is possible to to bring another world into being. Yeah, the sort and of that disconnect. Oh, sorry. And just to say that like that, that disconnect is what I'm trying to explore. And I think that, you know, the question the, that organization seems to me to be an important answer for reasons yeah. I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess as you bring that up, that sort of like the, the thought or the idea of sort of like the there is no alternative, the sort of like I, I love the book Capitalist Realism because I think it really drives mm -hmm. home that point um, specifically about how, you know, there are so many parts of the way that the world sort of like orients itself to basically just make it so that every conclusion is things are the way that they are because of the way that they are. And that's the only way it can ever possibly be. There is no alternative. Yeah. Right. And, um, right. So I guess talk about, uh, talk about the organization side of it then, um, in terms of like building that alternative, because it's not going to happen by itself. That's exactly right. It's not going to have it by itself. And I think critically what we have seen over the past, I guess, like, 50 years of the American left, but even more uh, emphatically since the neoliberal turn and the rise and the, and the fall, excuse me, of, of the Soviet Union is that it's not, you know, that one might identify, might identify this, this, disjuncture and say, okay, like we need to intervene in this problem. We need a, an, an organization that like people need to come together 
under the banner of a under the banner of a new political party because they might say correctly that you know both Democrats and Republicans are are you know parties that are that serve the ruling class. They are controlled by capital. This is all correct. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no there like I'm I'm not contesting that, but it is demonstrably insufficient to simply say. And so here's the third party. (laughs) And now we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's been tried, right? That was tried with, I mean, it's, you could say it's been tried with the Green Party, whatever the hell, but like also the Labor Party. And you go into the Labor Party. Yeah. Yeah. The Labor Party, Working Families Party in in New York and in the Northeast, there are, you know, there, and, and, you know, however many the, the countless sort of leftist sects that declare themselves, you know, the Revolutionary Workers Party of such and such, um, and have twenty five people, like we all know that that is not getting any. That's that's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but one way that I kind of wanted to back into this because. That argument has been made time has been had time and time again. It's to sort of kind of rethink what is the function and the purpose of a party and what what can a party do, what ought a party to do beyond Hello Cat. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, I don't call that adorable. <laughs> Beyond I, this is a this is a foster cat that is uh, that has, that I've taken in and he has uh, he has a lot of energy. Um, <laughs> my uh, my home my other my my resident cat is like exhausted. <laughs> um, but so like so the question is you know the focus on the kind of the focus on the ballot line seems to me to be a very narrow understanding of what organization and what a party can do for people. Mm-hmm. And because it's not the ballot line that helps people see that they can participate in the shaping of a new world. It's not casting a vote for another party that you know that suddenly declares itself to, to exist and to represent them. Mm-hmm. That there has to be, you know, that there, ha- that there has to be a, a life that they participate in and that makes them feel uh, feel their own feel their own their own power and and mm-hmm. to experience solidarity and not just be told that like solidarity is good <laughs> right right but right. Or, or even or yeah. even worse like have solidarity be used as a cudgel for yes. like saying well what you're not doing is showing solidarity by not showing like supporting force the vote or whatever like you exactly. don't like using that as a litmus test is, is, right. is sort of like also one of these ways that we find ourselves you know fighting you know amongst the left as opposed to fighting you know the, the real enemy which is the you know the capitalist structures that exist uh let me exactly just pause right. real quick for station id you're listening to whivlp new orleans 102.3 uh this is good morning comrade uh we have brendan o'connor on the show today uh we're talking about his article uh when the party's over from uh you can find that in the baffler uh and i will have the link in the description uh, of the podcast version of the show uh so yeah so um in terms of building that organization. We were getting into that a little bit. Um, and you mentioned DSA a little bit in here as well. How does how do you think DSA fits into um, that picture, I suppose? 
Yeah, that's the big question. A big question. It's a big question, and to a certain extent, I would say, yeah, it's 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 hard to know exactly. Slash, I'm like not smart enough to know. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> like, but I guess what I will what I will say is that an an organization like the Democratic Socialists of America, for all of its I don't even say say faults, but but um, flaws, and for all of its kind of un, uneven development and political maturity, um, is the only <laughs> mass socialist organization in this country right now, and. It is the largest mass socialist organization in the United States in generations. Mm -hmm. And so if the germ or the, the seed of a new party form <laughs> uh, exists anywhere, it seems to me that the odds are good <laughs> that it is in the largest mass socialist organization to exist in the United States in generations. Right. Um, and I think that it is also, you know, something like DSA is an organization like DSA is, is unique um, for its national presence and the sort of breadth of organizing activity that its members are undertaking under the same banner everywhere. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of excellent organizations all over the country that are doing important good work. Um, but I don't think that any can claim to have with and the best that DSA does. And I think that that is, that offers a kind of dynamism mm -hmm. um, that, is, that seems important um, in terms of kind of cohering a, a new kind of org, a new kind of organization to fight back against the, you know, the siloing and the specialization that comes to define like the NGO and nonprofit world where people can be doing good, important work, but it is, you know, it's issue-based, it's very focused. Um, and, and this kind of hamstrings, uh, hamstrings a lot of, a lot of the work that maybe on a, on a personnel level, people know needs to happen, but just at right. the or level of the organization, it's not possible. Yeah. And sort of a priority becomes, building the capacity of that organization and how that's going to happen and how it has happened throughout DSA has been, I mean, it, it's been really interesting because I've, I joined DSA probably in about 2016 um, and like watching as sort of like this tension that like permanently seems to exist between the national organization as a, you know, it's good. It's great that we have a national organization, but like all of these locals almost have, um, completely different ideas of like how they're going to push forward. And sometimes they'll take ideas from other places and then they'll kind of move things forward and then, and then things will get popular. It's, it's like, it's right. like almost watching 
like like evolution happened in a fast in, in fast motion you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean i do think that like spirit of experimentation is really that the, the spirit of experimentation and the kind of looseness um of the organization allows for has allowed for a lot of its growth and and for makes it attractive to people who are you know who've been on the left for a long time who are super politically developed and have like a very you know like identify themselves in particular historical traditions and it also allows for it to be a space where people who are totally new uh, and don't know anything about the history of the left or the labor movement to to come in and kind of like and and learn by doing mm-hmm. and so i think that's really good but i am i but i do also you know you you talked about the tension and i do think that there is i do think there is a tension i don't think it's like a a fatal contradiction no, or anything it's, but i think it's it very is very much a reconcilable tension yeah that that this is a net like this is a national organization and that if you know we are to rise to the rise to the occasion you know this also is going to the occasion is going to call for discipline (laughs) the occasion is going to call for in some respects a unity of purpose and the kind of singleness of purpose um to be able to all be able to pull in the same direction um, and not <laughs> be at each other's throats about it. Uh, <laughs> and Ber- like, and Bernie like kind of offered that almost by default. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be very hard to Bernie kind of offered that sort of by default and and sort of as like an external uh almost a sort of deus ex machina like figure like it's not as though bernie is a dsa member who was like oh. i'm running for, i'm running for president and like <laughs> we ran bernie for president like right. this is not what happened <laughs> um i guess he was like a uh he was a he was kind of blazing the trail and there was a lot of following yeah. happening yeah and i think that you know all of like all of this is not a it's not a consequence of bernie running but it is hard you know it's hard to see it's hard to see much of what has happened over the past six years happening had bernie not run uh but it's also you know this is these are not consequences i think that bernie himself foresaw no <laughs> like, I, yeah, I so, in 2016 uh, i think it was i guess it was 2015 when he announced that he was going to be running for president it was like on his lunch break you know? yeah. <laughs> like, and, and yeah. you know i remember that night where he won michigan and like they said that they had to go and like wake him up and say hey dude you will you just won michigan like it was like like yeah. a, a very very much an underdog campaign from the beginning yeah. so like like a lot of this stuff did just kind of you know the tour just started and he just kind of got pushed pushed along and right but so all of that is to say that i think it 
as it becomes even more important as an organization to find the things that give us kind of singleness of purpose or at least a level of organizational unity, it is also going to become increasingly difficult to find those, <laughs> like to find that thing. Um, and that's a, you know, that, that's a, that's a, that's an obstacle to overcome. I don't think it's insurmountable. Uh, and I also think that I would have been much less optimistic about overcoming that obstacle a few years ago. Like, I think that the organization has matured politically um, and we're able to have those kinds of difficult conversations, um, you know, in fits and starts and there's always gonna be steps forward and steps back, but, uh, but yeah, but so that, you know, that, but, but also I think it's important to, to be able to, to balance and to, and to like allow for the, the, the looseness and the experimentation, because I think that that's just kind of the way that, um, you know, there's no, it seems to me that it would be silly to throw away the thing that led to the explosive growth of this organization in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, I'm reminded of the break, the break light clinics. That's that one, one of my friends, actually one of my friends was like mm -hmm. one of people that sort of pushed the idea in new Orleans and they held the first ones here. And, you know, there's certainly some, you know, I guess I don't agree with them necessarily, but there's like sort of critiques of doing that kind of mutual aid or anything like that. But the one thing that you can't question about it is that it built the capacity of the organization. It became wildly popular throughout it. And people, you know, people joined in New Orleans and I'm sure in many other places because of things like that, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's, and that's a, I, th I mean, I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, um, Yeah, I mean, it. this is like, this is a really big country <laughs> and like things are very different in different, like the conditions in different places vary wildly. Mm -hmm. um, and so to a certain extent, I think, you know, part of, part of like our political maturity is going to be having, on the one hand, having clear strategies and clear kind of goals and ideas about what it is that we want to accomplish as an organization. But maturity also means like trusting members in particular locations to be able to figure out like what is called for and what is necessary um, where they are in order to get to a place where they can fight mm -hmm. for the bigger thing. Um, you know, it's like, you know, it's like union organizing, like you don't, your first conversation is not, your first conversation is not about going on strike. <laughs> your first conversation is not even about have like, hey, we should have a union. Mm -hmm. Like your first conversation is about like, what's going on with you? <laughs> like, how, like, how are you doing? <laughs> like this, you know, you like, which doesn't mean that you, you know, that you're not just, 
doesn't mean that you don't want a union. It just means that like this is these things take time. Yeah. Um, and so I yeah I that's kind of always always try to come back to that. Yeah. 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 Meeting people where they're at is really important, and and like expecting people to be where you want them to be, and sort of bemoaning the fact that they're not is just nothing could be more useless than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, this is Good Morning Comrade. We have Brendan O'Connor on the show. Uh, we're talking a little bit about his article uh, and just sort of a little bit more generally, I guess, about um, sort of the status of you know, organizations like PSA, the impacts of the uh, uh, Bernie Sanders campaign in 2020. I do um, sort of think like as these kind of, you know, things push forward, you know, I, I know that um, Bree Joy Gray, who is one of the people who was a big pusher of Force the Vote, um, she's still a DSA member, if I believe, to this at this point right now, which I think is you know much to her credit. Um, but I guess the point, um, like people like like that that are involved in the organization, um, how do you see you know those kinds of things gelling going forward? I guess with with you know this movement and these people with this sort of um, you know, diverse sets of incentives to sort of maintain their, their, you know, they they have they have to be responsive to what gets them an audience one, but they also obviously want to be a part of an organization. It seems like to me too. I'll take that in good faith. And it's sort of like I'm not like asking you for the capital V answer, but sort of just just kind of like you know noodle on that a little bit. I think that it is a testament to the cultural influence of DSA mm -hmm. that even people who are perhaps not actually politically aligned with the organization feel it necessary to loudly declare that they are in fact members of the organization. Right, right. Uh, I will say, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like, and, and this is something that happens with, this is something that happens with people in the media. This is something that happens in sort of like liberal nonprofit world. Uh, this is something that happens with like, um, you know, uh, supporters of other progressive presidential candidates who yeah. don't, we don't need to, we don't need to name this is like, because I don't want to make it about anybody in particular, no, no, but it's just like, to say that like, just yeah, just to say that um, someone declaring themselves or acting the fact a, a member of DSA, uh, I don't think that, that necessarily like, <laughs> That like, I guess what I'm saying is that like that doesn't really mean a whole lot at mm. this point. Um, almost anybody can be a can right. be a member of, of DSA. The threshold like, is the, very low. You can, you can even, right. <laughs> you can even get like any kind of dues waived. You just sign a paper on the right. Uh, which again is part of what has led to, <laughs> led to its growth, but then also creates creates some 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 comes with its own pitfalls, but. So then the question is really, you know, are you 
are you a me like are you a member of DSA or are you someone who is like participating in the political life of the organization? Mm -hmm. uh, are you someone who is like you know signing up for shifts on you know to do <laughs> to do to do brake light repair to mm -hmm. knock doors for a city council candidate? Are you? Uh, you know, are you showing up to meetings and, you know, voting on stuff in, you know, that come before the chapter? Are you kind of aware of what the conversations are? And it's pretty clear who is and who isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a big organization, but it's not that big. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of activism, uh, <laughs> probably it, like, I mean, I would be surprised if that was like, if that was like 10% of the entire organization or active members, you know, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, that's, and that's kind of that, 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 uh, what, what to, how to think about that and what to do about that sort of bifurcation or stratification, um, sort of its own, its own conversation. But I guess that is just to say that, uh, being a member doesn't necessarily mean that you are like um literally the minimum <laughs> <laughs> yeah right it's literally like that's good like like good you should be a member but mm -hmm. like uh that's kind of not it's like necessary but not sufficient mm -hmm. um and and i think that so and and i think that um I think that this tension uh, and the tension between people, people, people like Brie um, or uh, or other sort of like high-profile uh, <laughs> um, thinkers and uh, uh, media commentators, figures. yeah, media figures uh this is i guess this is like a good problem to have <laughs> right um <laughs> like uh but i don't really know that like that an answer has become clear to me yet about how to how to sort of resolve resolve this tension um because i also don't really you know, I don't think I don't think that all like left media should be brought under the discipline of like the DSA steering committee. No, like, that would be, oh, <laughs> that would be, that a, would nightmare. be a nightmare. Yeah, that would be <laughs> like I'm not I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not willing to go that far. Um, mostly because I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I but so DSA trial on that though that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I think that there are, you know, the, there are also sort of bigger, like structural, like industry problems that that we're grappling with, where that like the media industry is sort of disintegrating in front of yeah. our eyes, uh, and the there's this proliferation of, um, you know, of of individuated media producers mm -hmm. who are becoming their own channels and their mm -hmm. own 
trying like trying to capture some slice of the platform for of the platform that they're on for themselves. Um, and this also means that these are people, you know, as a freelancer, I feel this every day. Like I am, I am removed from the collectivity of a newsroom. I am <laughs> removed from the collectivity of a like collaborative endeavor that happens um, when people are working together to, to make something. Mm. Um, I am a member of the National Writers Union, but that is a that's a union of freelancers. Like we're doing important work, but like it's not the same thing. <laughs> like, yeah. And we don't have the same organizing tools available to us that people who all who you know who share a workplace do. And that in itself, I think, creates the opportunities to do the sort of shop floor organizing that changes the way that people think about the world mm -hmm. which then changes the kind of work that they do <laughs> right um and if you are not in that position um you're not going to have that experience not through any fault of your own no, of course but not. just because it's not it's not it's just it's just not available to you um and i think that that is I think that that is a big problem, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, but I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. well, the good thing is that this is something that you don't have to solve alone. However, like, the idea, <laughs> yeah. so, and, and you mentioned um, sort of the, I, I, this is one of the things that I think about a lot. And I'm not, I don't mean to like change the subject too dramatically, but, it, but, but it's sort of like a tangential. Um, the way that DSA, <laughs> the, the way that DSA right. sort of, um, nationally at least engages with uh with the unions and and the labor movement more broadly kind of doesn't really exist in anything other than like a camp by campaign by campaign uh strategy which right now by the way the proact campaign which i'm a big fan of uh that's going on right now uh definitely sign up for bone banking if you can folks if you're listening um but 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 I guess it it doesn't seem that it is particularly developed. It's it's differently developed, I suppose, based on where things are locally. But as far as like you know a a broader sort of at least general orientation, like it's just we're pro unions and that's kind of yeah. it, you know. Yes, I do agree that that is something of a tangent but it i also agree <laughs> that <laughs> with your with your assessment uh and i think that this is i think that this is a big problem um i don't know how like how in the weeds we want to get about like convention proposals <laughs> and, and stuff in dsa but i think that like i think i think i really i would i've had some conversations with people about what it would look like to have a something like a DSA labor convention mm -hmm. uh, in, in an off year from the national convention where we could actually, as an organization, flesh out like what our analysis is, because you're right. It feels pretty haphazard. It's pretty contingent on, uh, I, I think it's very contingent on like, a lot of like personal relationships in in different places it doesn't feel like um 
but doesn't really feel that there is a cohesive organizational strategy. Uh, Which, I by mean, the way, we, I don't mean to even like make it like I don't mean to say like, oh, well, this is the Democratic Socialist Labor Commission's fault or whatever. The people that currently no, 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 no. It's a it's a national organizational problem. That's that's yeah. that's not an easy one to untangle. Just to just no. to kind of get that part aside <laughs> before you know, before I you know I don't want anybody thinking like you know you're doing a terrible job. No, that's not what I'm trying to say here. No, and I think I I think that. I would hope that any DSA labor activist, kind of irrespective of their ideas about how DSA ought to engage with the labor movement and how DSA members ought to engage with unions, like would probably agree that there is an organizational deficit yeah. <laughs> in terms of like the average members kind of understanding and engagement with organized labor mm -hmm. and that as an organization our that like the, our perspective and our policies are not as developed mm -hmm. as as they as they need to be um and yeah and 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 again and you're right like that's not you know that's not any it's not any it's not anybody's fault that's that's like that's because American labor has been crushed. <laughs> like, yeah, like over sixty years, destroyed over yeah, right. over multiple decades. Uh, yeah, but like, and this like, but this like, this is an important part, I think, of of reconstituting, not just reconstituting the left, but reconstituting the left as cohered in the body of a mass organization that takes a party form mm -hmm. um that is like this like this is <laughs> this is one of the things that we need to hammer out um and and kind of come to come to a collective understanding um of and i think that that's you know i think that i think that's possible i don't really think that that's going to happen I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, no, it's going to be an ongoing long -term yeah. process to, to, to make that yeah. and get the ball rolling on that, I think. Yeah. Partially because there's, there is a lot of sort of disagreement in, in what that approach should be, which is a little bit unfortunate as well. Um, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to like draw us like, like that far astray, but I think that that's <laughs> like a really like key kind of uh component of sort of building especially a socialist organization and yeah. sort of like like an orientation to labor something more than sort of general is important but i don't know um you talked a little bit about the um the a party surrogate um model and the versus the sort of the the ballot line sort of uh, thing as well can you sort of like kind of hit on that a little bit yeah so yeah, so so I think I mean I mean in DSA I don't I guess I I don't delve too deeply into mm -hmm. the debates over like what is DSA's relationship to the Democratic Party? How do we think about? You know, Hold on, I lost you for a minute. I lost your connection for a minute there, but oh, sorry, no, you're back. back. You're back. Okay, sorry. so just saying in 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 the piece I don't delve too deeply into 
the ongoing debates over DSA's relationship to the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. the clean break versus the dirty break. Um, because what I am more interested in is what an organization like DSA and what a like what historically left left parties mm-hmm. kind of bring to people's lives um the kinds of like affective experience that being a party member that that participating in the life of a political organization like a socialist party uh what what that what that does for people Mm -hmm. Um, because this again relates to the question of the gap between people you know wanting a better world but not believing that one is possible and i think that part of the answer to why that gap exists lies in um it lies in the absence of social organizations that can bring people into the experience of solidarity mm-hmm. and that the party with well, a party, like what a party really ought to be is a place that is like continuously producing opportunities for people to experience solidarity mm-hmm. and to either extend solidarity to others or have solidarity extended to them. Mm-hmm. And that when that happens at kind of, the micro level, that is what expands people's imagination, people's consciousness. It is what makes them believe that not only, you know, not only are better things worth, not only are better things possible, but that they are worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's like really the third, like that's the third, it's, like, it's, it's one thing to believe in better things, another thing to believe that they're possible. And then to actually be willing to like sacrifice mm-hmm. for for them and to like take the step of like risking something mm-hmm. um, is that's a whole that's like we're not even there yet. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Uh-huh. Um, but so it's it's it is become and I don't and like I'm not like I guess like I also want to be clear like this is yeah this is something that I am kind of like discovering for for myself like I'm I'm not like a party guy <laughs> like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like a I'm not like a an evangelist for like for like for third for third parties sure. um per se yeah uh but, but like the experiences of the past four or five years for me have kind of it it has crystallized that are you like that the that the absence of of such an organization mm-hmm. is like an existential threat um and thus it is our kind of historic responsibility to build something that can do that like whether it's a party or not like it kind of doesn't matter like i, I kind of don't really care <laughs> like, like what it what it like what it's called 
Yeah. Um, but like, that's the thing that when like you, like towards the end of the essay, like I sort of pull on mm -hmm. Rosa Luxemburg and Asada Shakur and um, uh, uh, Vivian Gornick and Jody Dean and these, these theorists and historians are kind of looking through the way that people experience being part of a party. Uh, and, and this is kind of, this is kind of a, like a thread that you can see. Um, and it seems like it's, it seems to me that it is worth, it's worth pulling on that thread. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, like what, what does that mean? And like, whether you call it a party, just like us, like, I guess to be a little bit sort of kind of just a center of gravity, something, yeah, <laughs> something that's gonna, that, that people can sort of turn to, to say, yeah, that's, that's sort of, I mean, not even necessarily an orthodoxy, but that's sort of a tendency or a group of tendencies or a, you know, official ongoing something that you can sort of, you can essentially like, you know, where to go if you're going to go, you know, do, you know, be, you know, participate in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you do write in the article. Uh, it's, ex it's exhausting to be an individual all, all the time. As a fellow DSM member put it to me years ago, after a long day of knocking doors for a city council candidate in Bay, uh, Bay Ridge, I just want to be a party member, bro, <laughs> which is like really interesting too. <laughs> Like, 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 I think it speaks to a specific thing of like, I mean, we live in, you know, this society that does everything it can to put every individual person on an island and just isolate them entirely and completely and being a part of something, um, you know, be it a union, be it an organization, be it whatever. Like, I think that that's where the kind of question of party has, you know, has some, has some um some some sort of value i think you know i'm not necessarily like i'm a little bit obnoxious ag agnostic on the party question it's, itself as far as like it's not like the panacea or whatever but the sort of um the sort of like having that be a part of the formula mm -hmm. is i think it, it kind of has to be there you know in some form yeah. or other. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very true that we do live in a society. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and that's where the, pro where the trouble starts. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, uh, I mean, obviously I think you're right. And I think that, um, there are there are very few occasions in this very troubled country uh, where one can feel oneself to be a part of something bigger there are you know there are like there are there's it's not to say that like community doesn't exist i mean there are there are many forms of community mm -hmm. um uh but you're but you're but i think you're right that 
you know, the way that this world has been built, it strives to tear those communities down, except for the ones that are like useful to its purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this seems to me to be part of the value of you know some 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 future party or of just simply of an organization like DSA or like you said you know or like you said the, this experience can also be found in unions it can be it can be found in many it can be found in many different places but like part of the value of an organization like DSA I think can be that it's like you get it in like concentrated doses <laughs> and right. like it it is sort of like it's sort of the point <laughs> to me like i have like just to speak for myself i i i hate canvassing <laughs> like i hate canvassing yeah, so back, i am so i am I, I am it makes me so uncomfortable it is the worst. Uh, but I am able to do it because I just like I just remind myself that it's not like it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And this is a small, like a couple hours of my time that I can contribute to something bigger than myself. And I do it and it's uncomfortable. And afterwards I feel great. <laughs> like, even if it's not a very, like, even if it's not a particularly successful canvassing shift. Um, and yeah, so that like, so that is to say that, uh, thinking about this stuff is, I mean, it is, it is, it is useful for me, like to, to kind of keep, keep myself, um, accountable to, to the organization and to the, and to the movement simply by remembering that like, I am a part of an organization and a movement and like, I'm not, you know, just because like, I might be uncomfortable, but you know, this is like, this is, this is what is necessary. This is what needs to get done mm-hmm. in order to hopefully get, you know, get this candidate elected or, or get the pro act passed or like whatever, like whatever it is, um, you know, just make, just make some, some small contribution. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the thing that I like about it as well is that, you know, I would almost never go canvassing by myself, but the fact that you get to go with other people and you get to sort of check in and have some little, yeah some little kind of community to do it like like the like the the reason that the line like like being an individual all the time is exhausting is because like it really really like i don't know nothing is i think a lot like the, uh, about the anti-life equation in dc comics which is like this idea is it's like loneliness plus like you know misery plus you know all this other stuff i can't remember it from the but sort of like that's one of the key things for me is like the loneliness the, the by yourself the isolation of it all um so i don't know that's uh yeah where i'm at now um we, we're running up on our time i do want to give you a minute to um uh, talk about your your book uh, that you have out as well, uh, really quick. And sure. Released um, 
uh, you know, talk about uh, your your book. Uh, it's called All American Nativism. No, that oh, is sorry, um, that's my, that's my friend Dan Danvers' book. <laughs> Blood, Blood Red Lines, How Nativism Got the Right. I'm sorry. I get my book mixed up. No, uh, All American Nativism, also a great book, on covers similar ground, but this also is completely yeah. different. <laughs> no, 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 definitely I, 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 by both. Uh, by the way, Dan, you're welcome for the plug, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes great I, we love we love dan dan denver um but my book <laughs> my book is called blood red lines how nativism fuels the right um it came out from haymarket in january um and it is in large part an exploration of kind of the other side of the uh of, of the of the balance of forces it is uh exploration of of the relationship between capitalism and uh, anti-immigrant politics and and the far right and the rise of of new forms of um, new forms of of nativist organizing and uh, uh, sort of looking to the the future of the not necessarily of like the Trump movement, but of the forces that gave rise to to a figure like Trump and where they might be going after um, after him. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. And you can get that book. Uh, you could uh, get information about that book at the Haymarket. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Brendan, uh, for joining us on Good Morning Comrade. Really appreciate talking with you. It was a really great conversation, and, and everybody should uh, check out the article uh, in the Baffler uh, when the party's over. Uh, Brendan, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, thank this you so been, much. Of course. Uh, this has been Good Morning Comrade. This is W.